Welcome back to the Redundant Rufus Podcast. In chapter 13 of my podcast series entitled of Myths and Dwarves, I'm going to speak a little bit on the hidden history of Europe and North America regarding old tales of mythical dwarves. From Nordic and Germanic mythologies, tales from Ireland, and Native American encounters in the New World, these elusive beings have wrought much speculation and wonder to their veracity and existence. So join me as I relate these myths as well as family encounters with these ancient beings. So let's get started. Dwarves have their descriptions provided to us from Germanic and Nordic legends, including their language and places of habitation. Dwarves of legend and in folklore always would dwell in hilly or mountainous regions, rich with metallic ore. Dwarves were also said to be renowned craftsmen, producing works of art, if you will, for both gods and men. They were also great sword makers, namely the sword Hofund for the god Heimdall, who would guard the great and mythical Rainbow Bridge to Asgard. Dwarves have been featured in many contemporary stories and media, most renowned in the Lord of the Rings and Hobbit trilogies. However, much of those characters, as well as their language and appearance, came straight from Nordic and Germanic folklore and mythology details that the great English author J.R.R. Tolkien was well-versed in and understood. However, for this episode, we're going to be switching continents and focus mostly on the New World. These dwarvish beings were not solely confined to continental Europe, but have been the subject of many stories and sightings throughout the United States. Dwarves, or little people by Native Americans, have been identified by many Native American tribes for centuries, these stories derive from oral tradition and oftentimes supported by pretty convincing sightings and encounters. For example, the famous American expedition led by Lewis and Clark, who had set out to explore the newly acquired territory from France, relates a story regarding these dwarvish creatures. For a time, the expedition had stayed with a local Sioux Indian tribe in what is now South Dakota. This tribe told the explorers of a sacred mountain located about a day's journey from their encampment where mystical dwarvish creatures were said to reside and aggressively protect. This mountain, was technically a hill, was located on the prairie. This particular Sioux tribe claimed they were scared to go out there because of the many ferocious dwarves who would shoot arrows at them. These devils, as they called them, apparently some 250 years prior had fought off and slew a large number of Native American warriors. The local tribes began to fear these creatures and wouldn't dare go near their sacred hill on the prairie. But pushing further west into what is now the U.S. states of Wyoming and Montana, the Crow Indians would and continue to recount tales of these dwarvish beings inhabiting the prior mountain region and their spiritual significance and importance to their culture. It is said that in one particular pass in these mountains, in order for the Crow Indians to pass safely through, they would be required to leave a peace offering out of respect for these elusive dwarvish creatures. Moving a bit to the east, along the central Appalachian mountain region, believe it or not, this region has a substantial amount of tales related by multiple Native American tribes regarding these dwarvish beings. For example, the Cherokee Indians claim what they refer to as the Moon-Eyed People were a race of small white people who would come out at night from their caves. So, with that introduction, let's get into some accounts of dwarvish sightings within the Appalachian region of northeastern Kentucky, USA. These tales come straight from my family history, and as I have related personal and family stories in my previous podcast episodes, these also 
were stories I would hear as a child, and I can remember to have greatly wanted to witness what my ancestors beheld in the rural country of our ancestral home named Rolf Hollow, or Rolf Holler, as we would call it. Please note, the following accounts are brief, as not much information is available to elaborate further. The first account occurred sometime during the 1930s, when my ancestor Barbara Rolf and all of his sisters, Lena, Madge, and Lizzie Rolf, were at what was called the Turner Place there in Rolf Hollow. It was a large log house where my grandfather was born. Now, while the aforementioned individuals were in an unspecified room in the house, all of a sudden, a small group of what they best described as little dwarves barged into the room. They were all dressed in red and apparently each grinned at the kids and started dancing in a circle. Now, as you can imagine, the children screamed and jumped onto the bed out of fear. Years later, all of these witnesses would tell identical stories relating to this sighting or encounter. Unfortunately, however, any further details are unknown regarding what happened after these dwarves entered this room. The second account occurred earlier in the early 1900s, when several family members had formed a band to which they would play in the region and at family gatherings. In one such gathering during autumn, while the moon was out, they heard a rustling in the leaves, and to everyone's astonishment, they saw a little dwarf who then scattered off and disappeared into the woods. No further sighting was made that night, and everyone was left perplexed, wondering, where did this apparent dwarf come from? Did it reside locally? Were there more of them? Their questions were left unanswered. On the third account, a number of occasions there in Rolf Hollow, all the way back to the time of my fourth great-grandfather, Alvin Rolf, he claimed that once it was dark, he heard something jump on the back of his horse and that of others, that it weighed the horse down so that it couldn't move. Now, this is a trait commonly attributed to the Corrigans, or dwarves in European tradition, which would jump onto the backs of animals and prevent them from moving. Now, upon hearing this, he immediately reached his arm back to push off whatever was right weighing down the horse, but there was nothing there. Whatever it was had jumped off and disappeared into the trees. This fourth account was witnessed by multiple family members over many years, but to broaden the scope a bit, this is a tale or a legend that comes straight from Ireland. The jack-o'-lantern is an old Irish myth regarding a small man named Jack, who was denied entrance into both heaven and hell for his misdeeds and deceptions and forced to roam the world with a single burning coal to light his way. It was said that Jack housed this coal in a turnip. His ghostly figure was witnessed by many in Ireland, and as the tale passed into America where many would claim to see a light in the woods. It is said that if one pursues it, the light ends up being a little man holding a lantern whom no one can catch. In Ralph Hollow and the surrounding areas, people in my family would claim to see this being going through the woods. While looking up the history of jack-o'-lanterns, I discovered that this tale of Jack with his enclosed light would eventually give rise to the Halloween tradition of carving pumpkins and placing lights within them, thus creating jack-o'-lanterns. One thing I neglected to mention about Rolf Holler is the fact that it is filled with iron and coal, and there are several locations where it is quite rocky. So was it a coincidence that in lieu of the rocky and metallic nature of Rolf Holler, that there were multiple sightings of dwarvish creatures? I thank you for joining me in this episode, and I hope to see you in the next one.